0: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and hello. Welcome to Table Flip episode 16. Happy New Year. It is currently January 5th on a a beautiful Sunday evening, and we have a uh, level 3 snow emergency here in Ohio because we have about 9 billion feet of snow just kind of piling up, and it's still snowing, raining, and sleeting all at the same time. But hey, you know what? what? That means I might not be able to go to work tomorrow. Darn. (laughs) Ah uh, well, ah, uh, this episode is going to be a little bit interesting. Uh, not a lot to talk about. More just kind of a kind of a catch-up week, I guess. Um, as always, I am joined in the studio by Nick. How's it going, Nick?
1: Good awesome. evening, Star Wars fans. How are you doing?
2: Oh, teeny, yeah, Star Wars.
0: Matt, how are you doing, sir? Doing great.
3: Um, good to be back. Hope everyone had a good holiday. And back to the grindstone.
0: Back to the old grindstone, making my day we had to walk five feet uphill and downhill both ways in the snow. Yeah, anyway, and we are joined this week by Zachy, a.k.a. Zach, or Zachy Midnight. You know, it could be any one of those names. How are you doing, Zach? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Not a problem. Uh, you were on uh, one of our shows about a month and a half ago, uh, just kind of talking about some of the uh, the current meta stuff. That uh, was going on during – it was before Worlds and after Gen Con, wasn't it?
2: It was. It was right in that nice uh, in-between zone. Yep.
0: Okay, excellent. My memory is serving me well today. (laughs) Yes! And uh, we are using a new software program to record our uh, podcast. It's called Open Broadcast Software. It is a free streaming software but also records audio pretty well as well. So if you guys are interested in streaming your Star Wars games, I would highly suggest checking it out. I know Matt uses it for his streams, as well as uh, recording his stuff for YouTube. I use it as well. Great program, really easy. Install it, and you really can just kind of follow the help section on the forums. Very, very simple. But um, anyway, moving on to the topics that we have lined up this week. Uh, They're going to be uh, chess. Uh, We're going to talk about chess and how it kind of relates to Star Wars Living Card Game a little bit. We're going to let Nick take the uh, forefront of that, say that five times fast. Uh, We're going to be talking about our Christmases. Christmas Eye, however you want to say that, uh, kind of if we uh, got anything interesting, uh, any interesting goodies this, uh, this Christmas, and how our New Year's was, and uh, see who got the drunkest and who has some interesting stories to tell. Hopefully, none of us ended up naked on a park bench somewhere. That would just be a horrible thing, especially in the snow. That would be really cold. But uh, anyway, Nick, how was your week Ben? How was your Christmas? Why don't we start with you?
1: All right. So just to give a recap, uh, happy holidays, everybody. Now that it's 2014, uh, as far as the week's been going, it's been good. Um, I also play infinite crisis, which is the DC comics themed MOBA. Uh, we had a tournament today and my team did semi-okay, um, working out some bugs, you know, uh, our team motto is, uh, casual gamers gone pro. So, uh, we're actually doing pretty well, but that's what I've been doing aside from playing lots of star Wars. Uh, I've been teaching my girlfriend, some of the new, uh, decks that are out there. Um, and she only really plays Dark Side. Um, I got her some new cards <laughs> to play with.
0: Awesome. So, as, as far as your experiences go with teaching someone like like a um, someone who's not really kind of diverse in the nerdiness of uh, a Star Wars trading card game or you know video games or something, um, how how did she uh, kind of take it? And was it a process that was long and tedious, or did she um, kind of was she able to pick it up quite easily?
1: Uh, So I started her out with just the Dark Side Starter deck, and uh, I think she picked it up really, really quickly. Um, I think initially starting out, uh, learning just sort of the mechanics of each phase was a little bit difficult, but if you slow it down and you kind of say, hey, why are you doing that, and just pointing out, you know, maybe you want to see this or that, and giving some feedback on a couple hands, she picked it up right away, and now uh, she loves to just force lightning anything I put down, so... (laughs) Um, I've been trying to shoo her away from playing just straight dark side with that because she just loves that so much. It it really frustrates me and uh, it's it's now shifted to where uh, we'll play, uh, we'll pretty much play you know, Jedi versus Sith and and mm-hmm. that's really you know our meta at home.
0: Well, that's cool. Did you get any good Christmas gifts? Um, any cool toys? Any cool gadgets?
1: Uh I got a lot of practical gifts to be honest. I got a new desk chair that reclines and it kind of looks Ooh. like the it looks like the emperor's chair from Star Wars. So um I'm nice. pretty happy with that. Um I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I also got a new uh broiler pan. I cook a lot. Uh, it's sort of my like hobby, but uh so I got new cooking stuff and then uh nothing else really big major stuff. But
0: Cool, very very cool. Uh, Zach, what about yourself? How was your Christmas, and uh, how have you been this past few weeks? My
2: Christmas was very good. Um, I'm on the wrong side of 25, nearing 30, but uh, family's still really into Christmas. So my big gift this year, I got a PlayStation 4. I don't know Ooh. where they got it from, but uh, that was a pretty nice gift. And I've been playing a lot of Battlefield 4 on that, which is fun.
0: Um, now, I have a question. Does Battlefield sure. 4 crash as much as it does on the PC as on the PlayStation 4? <laughs>
2: I've never I've pl- logged maybe 20 hours in it. I haven't crashed out of a game once. I hate EA so much right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Oh my gosh, the PC board is so bad. It's just like, oh cool, I'm going 27 and four. This is great. And all of a sudden I like, can't click. My screen goes black and it's like ding ding ding. And I'm like, EA, why? And the worst part is I don't get any credit for any of that stuff because their system's stupid. I was really,
2: really apprehensive about getting the game, you know, because of everything that's been going on with DICE and EA, but I haven't had any trouble with it. It's been running pretty great for me. There's no party system on PS4, though. Is there a four-PC? A
0: party, quote-unquote, system? No. (laughs) I don't know how they can launch that game without a party system, but... Yeah. You know what? You know what? Before we get into I don't know how they can launch that game period, <laughs> let's move on. So, a PlayStation 4. Now, were you disappointed that you, d- that you didn't get the Xbox 3? I mean, the Xbox 1 or uh w- w- did you really kind of en- uh wow, brain. So, right, I got what you I got I, I am <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm, pi-
2: go I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, <laughs> so here's what I tell my dad. I'm like, he wants to buy me everything, because he's retired now. He wants to spend money on his kids. And I'm like, Dad, I don't know what all my friends are going to get, so just hold off until the spring, and then we'll get whichever one my friend group decides, because I don't play a whole, whole lot of video games anymore. Um, but then Christmas morning, I woke up, and I had a PS4, and it ends up that's what everyone ended up getting, so it was fine. Uh, I was, I'm was i always wanting a PlayStation products over the Microsoft ones, but I was just going to get what everyone else got, and they all decided on Sony.
0: Nice. You know what? I, I, I applaud you for that choice <laughs> because um after Xbox and Microsoft pulled off their their just wonderful idea of hey DRM is gonna be a thing and blah 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 and then it's like, Oh we were only kidding, JK Lulz.
1: <laughs>
0: like, yeah, they they no. backpedaled pretty fast there. Yeah, you think? Everyone's <laughs> like, uh, we're not buying your system. Okay. Anyway, yep. Um, Matt, how about yourself? Uh, how, how was your Christmas? Did anything cool? Uh, any, wow, what the heck is wrong with me today? Get anything interesting for Christmas? Gadgets, goodies, or uh, pets? Um,
3: no pets. Though <laughs> I, I, so I'm in an apartment that allows dogs, but I, I don't think I want to keep a dog in a third floor apartment. Um, no. Now the the Christmas presents were pretty heavy in the board game area. Nice. So uh, the highlight I have. Through the Ages now. Well, that's cool. Which, yeah. And I don't know. It, it It's like number two on um, Board Game Geek, and I've gotten one playthrough of it so far, and it's a pretty awesome game. If you like civilization-building games that are really heavy strategy, I'd recommend it. Um, and then over Christmas week itself, got lots of... Star Wars card games in with my brother-in-law, and he's a pretty good player, but has had a busy semester and is quite behind on the meta, so he was just pulling out all the Edge of Darkness stuff and going, ooh, scum is cool, I want to build a scum deck. Oh,
0: that's okay. Like, just, like just, we all yeah,
3: yeah. And so I spent most of those games playing either my Super Friends or my Hot Speeders deck against his iterations of scum decks and, um, stomping them most of the time.
0: <laughs> well, that's so funny, because he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, yeah, l- like, so yeah.
3: lost once. Oh, wow. But, okay. But most of the time, I'm like, and here's my, I have Edge 14, and...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're like, you have Edge 14? Oh, uh... I'm just gonna bend over and let you do have your way with me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, Edge 14 is nasty. So, um, I got to play this really cool board game called. I'm probably gonna butcher this name. I'm gonna put it in Skype for you fellas to probably pronounce for me correctly. But I want to pronounce it. Um, epahora, epoh- euphoria. Euphoria.
1: Euphoria. Yeah. Euphoria, yeah. There go. Okay.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, I can't read. You. But um, a friend of mine, uh, Ernest, who uh, is at My Local Meta, uh, helped kickstart this, and he got the um, – kind of the higher version, uh, like one of the higher tiers. And uh, they actually used some really cool materials for the pieces, like for their uh, their gold bars. They actually used like actual metal, so they actually like, felt like heavy gold. It was really cool. But um, it's basically like a – I don't know how to describe the game, but you basically have these workers and you can't let them get too smart or else they figure out that you're trying to, like, uh, pull the wool over their eyes and whatnot. And you have to build, like, this huge empire. It's 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 a really cool board game. It lasted for about an hour, hour, ten minutes. And um, as he was explaining it, I was just so confused. But, like, two turns in, I was like, oh, okay, this game's actually really simple. So um, if you see this in stores, I would highly recommend it. It's a great game. Um, it's great. Uh, I think it goes up to like six players or something like that. It's just, it's really, really great. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, I got to play a couple games uh, last week at my local store, which was nice and enjoyable. Um, we are thankfully starting to get some more uh, more people coming in, which is awesome. Uh, so Matt, once you actually come down here in June, I think it is, uh, you, you and me will be able to uh, rule the Ohio meta for quite some time. So
3: I I'm looking forward You just kinked me, you know that, right?
0: I know. I, <laughs> I had to. That way I still have the upper hand even if you come. So Fair enough. <laughs> so so uh did anyone have did anyone have any fun New Year's Eve stories uh before we move on to the next topic?
3: No. Okay. I went to bed at nine.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, was about to I, say. I had to work in the morning. Oh my gosh, you guys are so old. How did you go to Shut bed that up, early? Stop,
0: dude. What? You want? Okay, it's funny because my wife puts my my son down at like nine thirty, and she's like, "I'm going to bed," and I'm like, oh, "Okay." So she went to bed at nine ten o'clock, and I think I w- finally went to bed at like eleven thirty. I was like, "I don't
1: care." Wow, <laughs> I went out at ten o'clock. <laughs>
0: well, that's you. You're a, you're a, you're a lawyer, so you're weird.
1: Well, we party hard.
0: <laughs> party hard, man. Jack, any any interesting stories or did you go back early too? No, I I stayed up for it. I I saw the
2: ball drop. Um my sister invited me over to her house and she had like this really fancy dinner party. Her boyfriend's a uh a co- with the culinary school, so they had like seven courses of all this exotic food come out. It was very good. Um saw the ball drop, went home. I didn't do any excessive drinking or anything like that. Uh
3: little
2: little old Little old for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm finding that as, as I get older in the years of age, it's like I don't care about New Years and some of these other holidays. <laughs> we used yeah, to care about when we were in high school and in college. Yep. It's like eh, St. Yep. Patty's Day. I'll wear green. You gonna go out well, drinking tonight? No, I'm gonna go home and play uh, some video games and probably go to sleep by 10:30. <laughs> <1030. laughs> yeah, St. Patrick's
1: Day is all about the corned beef. I, okay, sure.
0: Uh, never not, had it. Yeah, never never had. Never
1: really? Had guys are missing out. It's like one of the best meals ever. What is it beef or is it corn? Exactly. No, it's it's, it's a it's a beef brisket and then it's it's a corn, bunch. so it's it's pretty much like pickles. No, well, <laughs> I I am almost Jewish, but that's a long story. So <laughs> you,
0: how do you become almost Jewish?
1: I'm like I'm like Jewish proxy. I don't know. <laughs> um oh, that's I actually, awesome. Well, I, without sparking like a huge religious debate, but my uh, I've dated a lot of Jewish girls, and my current girlfriend is also Jewish, and uh, it is her hope and her father's hope that I will convert to Judaism before we get married. So. Ah,
0: okay. So, so does that mean you have to like wear like little yarmulke on your head? Yes, not?
1: the kippah. I actually have my own one that's hand embroidered.
0: Is, is it? Does it have the rebel or imperial symbol on it?
1: Um. Actually, you know what? I now that you mention it, I should get one.
0: <laughs> you should.
1: What are you converting from? Or uh, what'd you convert from? Well, my parents are Roman Catholic, so I always just say yeah. that I'm agnostic and believe in the Force, but Whoa. that's just me.
0: George Lucas. Uh... Anyway, okay, so let's, let's talk about Star Wars now, shall we? That's a, that's a great idea. So um, since we've just kind of all been getting back from the holidays, I thought we'd just kind of do a kind of a yearly wrap-up. I know we did a little bit of that on uh, last week's show. But um, since the, the meta really hasn't changed, is there anything that um, – this question is really kind of uh, – Zach in particular since um, we didn't ask you these questions on our last, last show. Uh, do you have any int- – uh, uh, let, me, let me figure out how to word this question because my brain isn't working today apparently. Uh, do you have any interesting um, kind of final thoughts on the, the, the way the game has progressed uh, of, of this uh, this last year,
2: well, I mean, when you look at worlds and you look at the top decks, um, light side, it's all about the blast blast damage, or, or you know, getting blast damage. And I think the you know the top players realized that, and they just went all out with that. And that's why the uh, the Inuit sector, and then the other one with the uh, I can't the think of the name, yeah, raise the stakes um, are so vital right now to the light side's chances and because they are the light side is very kind of inconsistent because if you don't drop those objectives you can get really boned hard um dark sides has a little bit more variety i think but it's all about lockdown and you know control right now and sith control has been strong forever um defense protocol just really came on the scene at gen con you know where everyone was like oh yeah that's actually like a really good objective why weren't we (laughs) why weren't we always all playing this but i think going forward i'm most interested to see how they balance targeted strike Mm -hmm. because i can think of you know five the top five cards in the game and, and a lot of them have targeted strike right so so we'll see how that goes but i i play i've been playing since the first hoth um Pack came out, and I think it's been very fun. Uh, it's been changing nicely, and I'm I'm very excited for uh, what's it called, Heroes and Legends, or whatever Echoes yeah. of the Fourth. I think that's going to add a lot of mechanics to the game. I think it has a lot of room to grow right now.
0: Okay, awesome. Was there any decks that stood out stood out to you in particular that were just like odd, but you know, we're like, oh, okay, that's a kind of an interesting way to <laughs> way to look at things.
2: Sorry, sorry I'm choking on my wine. <coughs> <laughs> What was your question?
0: I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, do you have any favorite decks or um, kind of interesting uh, deck builds that really kind of made you, made you raise an eyebrow?
3: Um,
0: interesting deck
2: builds. Well, is this our deck talk section or not quite yet?
0: Uh, not quite yet. We will we'll um, get
2: there. So for me, for light side, I like decks like um, I played the, the Smuggler's Cavern deck a lot you know, during that regional season, and then I played Super Friends after that. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the light side decks that I liked running were a little bit different than the ones that became really popular at the end, were the ones that um, a little bit more control. I like to just put units down, take the force so it's only clicking up one, and then able to just kind of stick around long enough until either my opponent makes a mistake, or I'm able to find a, a hole and get the victory. I don't know if that's the best way to play. It doesn't look like it because of how successful the Sleuth Scout decks were, but that's how I like to play it, light side. Dark side, um, I'm all about the, the Sith control with defense protocol. I think that's a, just a very solid deck. It's going to be hard to unseat that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, it really is going to be very, very hard. I mean, with cards like Vader, with cards like Force Choke. I mean, and just the more Sith events you can put into a deck, Vader just becomes just that much more relevant in this Sith <laughs> control deck. Right. I mean, you, have
2: Vader. you have Vader with his, and then you have the TIE Attack Squadron doing yeah. its thing, and then you have Palpatine locking down what you don't want to kill. Mm-hmm. It's just solid across the board. I think it's hard to beat. It has answers to everything. Um, I don't know. I think I think we could see that in regional season
0: still performing well you know, in the coming months. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's like the, the original, uh, not the original, the original was made out in the 70s and 80s. I'm sorry, let's not go that far back. The uh, one made by um, Wizards and the other company, I don't remember what it was called. Decipher, Decipher thank you. Um, <clears throat> people were still using some of their original decks in World Championships way back when, if I remember correctly, because, right. the, because certain <clears throat> cards and certain builds were just like really, really good. So, I think that this year it's going to be still Sith Control. It's probably going to be the more dominant um, deck. But again, you know, I, I know a lot of people have been say, uh, saying that you know they were really disappointed with how Scum and Villainy turned out. And you know, with the Edge of Darkness expansion, we did get some really really good Scum and Villainy cards. But the problem was, is they th- most of the decks were just slow. Like, yeah, and th- they didn't have the, the synergy that, say, some of the Navy decks or some of the Sith Control decks have out there. So I think that this year we may possibly see some really, really good Scum and Villainy cards, Um, maybe even a little bit more better Rebel cards, too, because, you know, let's face it, a lot of the Rebel cards really aren't that good right now. Like, th- like you can use a couple of them, but... Certain ones just don't have that fit or that synergy in that one-versus-one environment. Now, w- also, I mean, they have to kind of take into consideration that people do want to play the the, the the challenge decks and the uh, two-versus-two format. So they're going to have to really try and balance between all three formats, and I think that's going to be really, really challenging. But from what we've seen, I think that we're going to really see um, some, some really good stuff out of Fantasy Flight. Um, Matt, do you have any uh, other comments on uh, this year's upcoming – just kind of what you'd like to see and how you think the uh, scene is actually going to go?
3: Well, I think
0: that um, control will remain um,
3: probably one of the more powerful strategies for the dark side, just like Zach was saying. And it's hard to get around that with the dark side's win condition of stay alive long enough and you'll win – um, any decks that slow down the light side will win. And I think what could the two things that could really shake up that um, the dark side meta is if um, we get a light side deck that consistently can beat Sith control. You know, there, there are decks that um, have a good fighting chance against it, but Sith controls can still Feel pretty confident in that matchup. You know, Mm -hmm. loose scouts, I sit there and like, okay, I need to play a little differently when I see that flip, but I'm not really worried that I'm going to lose. Super Friends, I I play that differently. Yeah. I I have to change my play style, but not my cards to beat them. Mm -hmm. So we're missing the light side deck that forces dark side players to say, oh, if I run this deck, I will auto lose to that deck. It's a risk, and that's what will force them to diversify. Right. Whereas light side um, doesn't really happen. that's why you saw a wider variety of light side decks at Worlds. I think that we're going to see light sides get enough that they can they can start actually giving control some bad matchups. And yeah, I mean, uh,
0: yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I, I think that it. And, it... You know, it, it really will probably be towards the middle of the year before we really see any diversity in um, the dark side decks and, and how they play. I mean, we could be dead wrong. The, the the new force, like the first force pack, could just completely change the way that dark side has to build. I mean, it just could. It it really could just like change everything. We you know we don't really know. I mean, well,
3: we we know that it can really weaken tactics against Jedi, right? Um, you try to tactics down someone. And here, what is here is in Legend, the upcoming um, Light Side objective with Kyle Katarn. You try to focus down Luke or Yoda or Kyle, and the opponent can just swap a new one in,
0: mm-hmm.
3: getting rid of all your tactics. And that is going to be a, a change, Dark Side will have to adjust to. Yeah. And eventually there will be a matchup where the correct answer for the dark side is to play aggressive and not play more defensive, Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: that's what Sith Control doesn't
1: do as well. Correct.
0: No, no, I would definitely agree with that. Nick, do you have any thoughts?
1: Uh, Like I said in a couple episodes before this, and and, and I think the last episode, I mean, obviously the Force Struggle is going to be more important. Um, I think one of the best uh, additions that they've already made uh, was that Unwavering Resolve card. It comes with uh, Obi-Wan on it, And uh, I know we were playing Patrick a while ago, and I used that card against you, and you were like, oh, uh, I didn't know you could do that, and I took the (laughs) force back with Obi-Wan, and you were pretty upset about that, but um, I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see the wider variety of cards. I know we're getting some characters from the expanded universe, which is really, really cool that they're going to include that, because now the door's opened, at least, and, and they'll be able to continue with that. Um, and I, and I really hope to see a lot more, uh, cards that will sort of bolster all of these sort of holes we've poked in a lot of the different, uh, factions. So scum and villainy, you know, some of the things with rebels, some of the things with smugglers, Jedi, uh, and I, and I really do hope that, uh, the change in the meta will cause the, the dark side to really take note of what's going on and, and hopefully adjust a little bit and some of the less popular objective sets will become more popular.
3: Awesome. Have we seen any scum things spoiled yet from the next four cycle? No.
1: Do you know half of IG half
3: of IG eighty eight. Oh yeah. Ah, that's, <laughs> oh, right. that's right. I, that's I it. I'm looking forward to getting some more bounty hunters. IG 88 is gonna be fun. Yeah. I, I, I Oh I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I was just I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say this year is when scum's gonna take off. And I think they're gonna get one, hopefully two, staple objectives that you can now mm-hmm. put in all of these great but not quite uh, uh, synergistic objectives that we got in Edge of Darkness um, and really make some fun decks. But they need to be really solid, not like this one or two good cards and then three terrible cards like most scum objectives have been. So I think this is their year and I think they're going to come, I'm going to say by the end of regional season, we're going to see some scum decks.
0: No, I would would 100% agree on that. I think that um, as as everyone else was kind of stating, I think that we will see a complete uh, kind of influx in how that scum and villainy plays, and uh, really just kind of as a whole, the whole game is just going to change. I think this year, which is I'm looking forward to because I am so sick of playing Sleuth. It's one of the most boring decks I've ever played. It's just, it, like it's okay. So new topic. How do, h- how does everyone feel about the current light side meta and the way that you're really just kind of forced to play competitively, not just you know. Um, I, I don't want to say that a lot of that uh, you are kind of pigeonholed into playing sleuth, but you're kind of pigeonholed into playing sleuth. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Nick, your thoughts?
1: Oh, well, I, I mean. So here's the thing. I guess like there's a prevailing meta that there's either sleuths or super friends. That's where I kind of see it. And I know that's kind of an oversimplification, but I think it's because that's where you get all, that's where your bread is buttered. I mean, if you flop the right objectives in a sleuth deck, you know, you're, you're killing an objective in one shot or you're going to kill, you know, two objectives in three turns you know you have such an advantage why wouldn't you play that and and to play competitively you want that kind of advantage you want to go in I mean if you have if there's a broken character in a game you play the broken character because it's not it hasn't been nerfed yet and th- my problem just is, is that it's so counterable so I just I hate those kind of decks where it's so obvious what you're going up against. I always like a more well-rounded composition where Seleuth, it's just like I have to get that sleuth out, and if I don't have the the undamaged objectives and if they have people that counter me, I'm completely shut down. And mm-hmm. I, I can't throw those Hail Marys. You know? I, I, I'm terrible at faking it. I just want to come in and have an even shot. And that's what I hate about it, is that you know what you're getting as soon as you open those objectives. And it's the same thing with the... Uh, the super, super friends. I mean, you can tell right from the objectives they pull. Up oh, here comes Han Solo. Here comes Chewbacca. Here comes Luke Skywalker. And the dark side player is holding back those Force lightnings. He's holding back those big units so that he can do all that damage. Mm-hmm. And and that's what frustrates me, is that it's it's extremely predictable. Whereas I've played people who have crazy dark side decks. There. Are extremely effective, but they're also extremely varied, and that's what frustrates me. Uh, yet again, it's just the oversimplification or the the sort of monotyping of the light side objective sets or decks.
0: Right. Yeah. No, okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, Matt, your thoughts. Well, I
3: think that um,
0: there's we've
3: had somewhat of a group think happen with the deck types. Um, you know, I. While well, we're on Slew Scouts, funny story about that, and I think round four of the Octagon tournament, um, that Tiny ran mm-hmm. um, back over the spring and summer last year, I played someone um, who was using Slew Scouts, and I absolutely rolled him. It it wasn't even a contest. I ran into him at Gen Con at Nationals, actually played him, and He's like, yeah, after that game I decided there's no way I could play Sluice, and he was running a different deck. Um, that sucks. And we actually split, though it was a dark side split. But act- it was a dark side split where we were at 5-5 five to five on objectives.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, true, he was my one true draw at Gen Con. But, okay. you know, he, he... So, I think Sluice. Sluice are popular because they have the ability to win and win really fast. And when they draw right, there's almost almost nothing that Dark side can do to stop it. However, when they don't do that, they don't win at all. And um, people seem to be willing to say, well, I'll win most of my games with Darkseid if I can have my handful of lucky games with my life side, I'll win enough. Um, however, through games I've played against in person and um, on Octagon, I've seen other life side decks other than Sleuths and Super Friends. I've seen pure Jedi decks. I've seen um, pure Rebel decks running speeders or... Um, other vehicle decks not based around Sluice, and they can win. And they can win against good dark side decks played by good players. But they're not the popular deck, and that's partially how they can win because they're not what people are meta against. That's not what I'm prepared to play against. So I'm like, oh, that card. I don't have an answer for that card anymore because no one plays it.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's... Okay, so, um, Zach, we'll get to your thoughts here in just a second. Um, my my problem with, like, say, a Super Friends deck or a Rebel deck, like, a, like a more generally, like, more Rebel deck, Rebel decks can't win edge battles worth crap, and they have no edge cards whatsoever. A lot of the edge cards that you would throw away are useful units, and that's just, that's really, you can't do that. Uh, and, like, the Super Friends and, like, the Jedi decks... They're really good decks, but they just have so many counters that a dark side controlled deck can just completely wipe the floor with them. And the dark side really doesn't have to draw well. I mean, yeah, you can take out turn one Luke, but there's a good chance he's going to get Force Choke next turn and probably die. You're probably not going to be able to win the edge battle, and you possibly could get Force Lightning. And if, you know, turn one Luke, you're probably not going to have enough resources to play that Counter Stroke or an extra... um, c-3po it's just i i really feel that jedi right now are almost at that that point that they can compete with the dark side sith control but i don't think they're there yet like every time i play a jedi deck or a super friends deck it's just like i'm not like it's it's too dependent on what i actually draw which is really weird um zach your thoughts
2: yeah, so three things in, in summary of what everyone's saying. First, what Nick was talking about as, as far as the Hail Mary of the Sleuth Scout. Um, I agree completely, but I think what a lot of players are thinking is, man, I can't beat this dark side control deck consistently. Right. So uh, I'm just going to go for it with my Sleuth Scout, and if I win, great. If not, I'm probably going to win with my, um, with my Sith Control anyway, and I'm going to blow up some objectives, most likely. Yep. Um, number two, just in kind of what you were saying, Patrick, and, and it just kind of was thinking about it. I have never really had a game as dark side where I was upset with my objective flop. Like I'm just like, oh okay, like that's fine. I'll I'll play these three and you know, and I'll put Emperor's Web or whatever underneath because I don't want it to get blown up. But on light side, you are. Oh yeah. You are. Uh, you, you're li- you're hanging by by a thread if you don't get if you don't get a good flop. Um, and three, just kind of taking a step back, just in the way the pod system is set up, yes, yeah, sleuth decks are popular, but because you can change one or two objectives and change a lot of your deck, I think there is more variety. And as more cards come in, we might still see sleuth scouts, but we'll see different decks. Right. So because of how Star Wars has the pod system, I think it's weird for us to see like the same deck over and over, but... If we take a step back and say, hey, they changed one or two objectives, this is actually quite a different deck, and it runs quite a bit differently. So I, I think that that's a, both a pro and a con of this game, but for me, it's my favorite part of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as the deck building goes, I love it. I Yeah, I do too. I, I like it because, one, it's an LCG. I have all the cards available. I don't have to go and buy booster packs. I don't have to go online and look at certain cards and pay $20 for a piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering. And I just... It's just, it's, it's a refreshing style of the way they're doing their games, and I'm completely okay with that. I, I don't like, like, I like booster packs. I think they're really fun, but, like, like I still collect Pokemon cards, for goodness sake, just because. But, um,
3: <sighs>
0: yeah. Okay, so, next topic. Um, Nick, you wanted to talk about how chess and it kind of, and how it kind of relates to Star Wars. So, take the
1: wheel, sir. All right, so it's kind of a, a nice segue from what we were just talking about in terms of competitive decks, and uh, I came across a really nice article written by um, an up-and-coming chess player. He's uh, he's Ger- uh, not German. He's uh, Russian, of course. Uh, it's Gautam Narula, and uh, he was talking about the... Uh, psychology of chess, and I thought it was really important for um, a lot of the competitive play that people see in Star Wars, considering there's, you know, the the new regionals, tournaments Mm -hmm. uh, at local stores and things like that, and and really the two main points, um, and I'll post this article uh, with the discussion page and in the show notes and everything – the first rule is don't ever be afraid of your opponent. And, uh, I've taken that to heart. Uh, when I first yeah, when I first started with, uh, Star Wars, you know, you'd go on to Octagon or you'd play against somebody at the store. And, uh, particularly there's one person who played at my local store. Uh, his name is Matt and he's actually a realtor. He's much older and he just came out and he had, you know, uh, take them prisoner and uh, you know, all the capture cards with the dark side. And this was before you had edge of darkness. And I just was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> but later on, I learned, don't be afraid of him. Cause I came back two weeks later with, you know, a deck that I had made after I'd been playing more. And, you know, I got really close to beating him. And then finally, you know, I was able to beat him and it's just, don't be afraid of competing. Don't be afraid of your opponent. Uh, and I think the same can be said of, you know, anyone you see on octagon, um, don't be afraid to to go up against them, as, no matter what their name is. Like, I, I know I've seen Jackie Midnight. I've seen Red CCG5. I've seen, you know, Blaze Leal on Octagon before I became associated with the show. And, yeah, you do get a little nervous, but it, they're always good learning experiences. You know, if, if, if you play weak people all the time, uh, it's not worth it. Uh, so learning from failure is also very good. Uh, and never be intimidated by their their rating or reputation. Uh, it's it's always something, uh, you know. Who knows? Maybe they just played easy people the whole time to get to the top. They could be weak. Uh, that's the plot of Rocky three, by the way. Um, yeah. uh, the second rule also is fight as hard as you can until the game is over. Uh, this is something I struggle with, um, specifically in, in a lot of tournament play. Um, and uh, I think what's important is that you know you should really give it your all. Don't just give up if your first turn stinks. And and that's where one of the segues from what we were talking about before is if you don't get that good objective drop, don't freak out. You know, make the conscious decision: Do I need to mulligan? Do I need to do this? Mm-hmm. What's going to get me into the position that uh, you know is going to help? So you know, uh,
0: that's Nick. That's a that's an excellent point. Um, there there are. I remember when I first started playing. Uh, like card games, and especially this game, this game was really one of the first games that I really got nervous playing other people because uh knowing what the other person had in their deck as a whole was so important because of the, of the way that the pod system actually works you have you have You have an objective set, it has six cards total, including the objective set, and then you have five other cards that you know what. They are going to be playing, unless they're cheating, of course, because you see three objectives on the table already. So you know literally more than half their deck. That's a huge information block, and I would always get nervous when I would see, oh, crap, I don't know what this objective set is. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? And I would just, like, think about that the entire game and lose.
1: (laughs) Matt, I think you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, I just
3: wanted to jump in about that keep playing till the end um, point, I've had several local tournaments where I'd win the first game, let's say I was light side and I won with the dial on five, just to make up a number, and then I'd take over as dark side, and as soon as the dial got to six, my opponent's like, oh, I give up. I'm like, <laughs> if you win this, it's still a, at the time, a 3-2 split. Right and there there's no reason to give up just because you've lost the match you still have something to play for and i think you know even if you're not giving up on the even if you realize i've lost the match you have something to play for and um play play each game as its own game and worry about the match
1: later Yeah, he gives a really good rule of thumb. He says, if my opponent were playing the reigning world chess champion and number one player in the world, Magnus Carlsen, in this exact same position, would Carlsen be able to win? If the answer is yes, keep playing. If it's an absolute no, then just resign as a matter of, you know, just courtesy. But I think there's a lot of situations where players will get into, you know, turn six or whatever it is, you know, the dialed at six and they see it as, oh, man, I can't win. It's like, you never know what that next draw is going to be. And I think one of the the important points that Patrick brought out is how much information there is associated with the decks that you have. Uh, you know, knowing what's still left in your deck. I see a lot of people who play Hearthstone do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, have, I know I have this card still left, and this card is going to help me win. So I think it's important to... Uh, to see what you can do with that, and and one of the other points he brings out in the article is he does these chess uh, problems. It's, of course, there's a number of books that you can get, but he literally does quizzes on chess, and I think it would be really interesting if Star Wars had that. That's
0: uh, crazy. Zach, um, you wanted to add a couple things.
2: Yeah, I agree with you all. As far as, you know, don't be scared. What you said, Patrick, if you know what your opponent's playing like, so when regional season comes up, really memorize these cards um, as best as you can. And we've all said this many times, at least the twist of fates, Because if you can go into an edge battle and not be scared, if you can be pretty sure you're going to win it if you want to win it, um, that just takes a whole lot of, like, the psychological psychological edge mm-hmm. off of your opponent. Um And then as far as don't give up, um, I've been playing in octagon uh, matches lately, and I'm like, man, I'm against the ropes here. And then my opponent's like, oh, I can't win this, and they leave. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I thought I was – you know, I I was ahead, but I was worried if, you know, that situation. Um, And they just left, and I was like, man, I thought that they were going to come back and and win this. And I don't know what they had in their hands, but um, that's happened to me two or three times. And I'm like, I was – Either bluffing really well, or, 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 you know, they just had to go because I didn't think that it was over it by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it, it's it's funny, Nick. You you actually brought up the the Hearthstone uh, Hearthstone scenario, and I I actually played a game uh, this morning with uh, he dropped down one card, and it, it, it the card basically deals three damage to random people across the board, and all three damage hit him, and he left, and I was just like, it it was turn one, what? Well, okay, thanks for the win. He's I mean, a YOLO Bomber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's funny enough, he's called the Mad Bomber. And um, I just, it, it's so important in this type of a game to never, ever give up because of the way that the TIE system works and the way that the scoring actually works because you could win or you could lose with your light side deck, but if you know you have an overall solid dark side deck, who cares? Play it to the best of your ability, you might be able to get an objective, you might not, but if you know you can't get an objective, slow that Death Star dial down as much as possible to either drag out the game to try and get the cards you need, or to basically allow the uh, dark side player to just get really frustrated and try and like pull off some really silly shenanigans to try and get that dial up, because some players will do that. Some players are like, man, this game's taking too long, I don't know if I, I want to keep playing this, and... They'll they'll just go. Ah, Palpatine's going to go in and attack, and you're like, okay, unopposed. And he taxes down a couple non important people, and you're like, cool. I'm going to play Han Solo and kill off Palpatine, and then you know you get a free objective or something like that. So like never never ever give up in those situations. Um, Nick, what else does the article have to say? Nick? Nick. Am
1: I am I still muted? Yes, oh, I are. don't know. My- I don't know why I was still muted. Uh, Sorry about that, guys.
0: Darn Yoda. Um, It was his fault. Let's blame him.
1: Yes, it was all Yoda. A lot of it comes down to, you know, making sure that you you learn from your your results. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I see a lot of people, Hearthstone is a perfect example. If you watch streamers play it, they keep a logbook. They know every game that they've played since they've started playing, whether they've won or lost and, and what the score was. Um, I think it's important, especially if you're going to be competitive and go to these local tournaments and go to regionals, go to Gen Con, go to Worlds, et cetera, that you're being smart about it. You know, play a lot, analyze your games, you know, study the tactics, study the meta, but also understand, you know, the great openings, the good end game, you know, all of the different steps, the mechanics of the game right. so that, you know, it's, it's just like in philosophy we talk about, like, understanding the language or the sort of uh, – you know the parlance of the of the of the world, uh, and that's what you need to understand. You know, I think that's what's great about this game is that it's really easy to get new players into understanding that. Uh, but being efficient about it and being really on top of it is is what separates the the men from the boys.
0: No, I would I would definitely agree. Um, was there anything in the article or just that, that you kind of took from it that would relate to uh, edge battles or kind of the psychological um, kind of uh, I guess. Uh, waves or vibes that kind of take place during during an edge battle?
1: Well, obviously chess is a little bit different in that you don't have that opportunity to play things face down or, or secretly right. hide things, but uh, you know, I always, I think Tiny always said it the uh, best, is sometimes you have to look your opponent in the eye when you put down your first two cards and you have to look them straight in the eye and go, are you twisting, bro? I mean, right. I think that's really just part of it i mean you have to understand what's in their deck what's in your deck and really what's going to be most important from them if this is going to be that all or nothing edge battle yeah i'll twist you first turn i don't care if i'm going to waste a card or you know throw out that twist i need to drain you of cards to win this edge battle Mm -hmm. so it's it's knowing what that deck against you is capable of as well as knowing your own deck Right. Uh, and that's one thing I struggle with is I hardly know other people's decks. I I never think about all the cards that they have unless I it's completely obvious to me. <laughs> so yeah, play me at a tournament, I'm terrible. You can just roll me in 5 seconds. So Well,
0: you know what? The po- you have fun and that's really what counts. So that's what it's always about.
1: Fun is the best thing.
0: It is. No, it really is. Okay, um does anyone else have any uh thoughts or comments to to add to what we were just talking about? Uh
2: yeah, I think great great advice across the board. L- the learn from the mistakes thing is huge. Um I hate, you know, you don't no one likes losing, but I can remember my losses much more than I can my victories. And I remember my very first tournament was a, a regional tournament. Um and I actually played against both Scott and Tom. Um and I think they made it really far in the 2v2. They, they're from either Jersey or Philly. And, man, they just rolled me. And, and I, I made it to the finals of that tournament and lost to Scott in it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: just the experience that, uh, that you learn from, from your mistakes is huge, not just in Star Wars, but in life. I think that's like a, a life motto that, that self-help books <laughs> try, to, try to tell you. So I think chess really correlates with um, Star Wars. And number two, I, I, this has been said many a times, with edge battles, my biggest strategy is don't go into an edge battle that you need to win if you don't know that or don't go into an edge battle unless if you know you can win it, if you really need to. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Sometimes it's just going to be an all or nothing edge battle. But if you can control the tempo of edge battles, you can make it seem like you're winning all the important ones. And this very much frustrates the opponent um, and sets you up for victories down the line when you actually do need to win them. So for newer players, try to really work on not going into edge battles unless you're pretty sure that you can win them, if you need to.
0: Okay, awesome. Matt, your thoughts? Uh, I have a
3: couple things. Um, first, I want to jump on the bandwagon on the learn from your mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've lost count of the number of times I've played someone, and I've won the game, and they come out and say, well, you were really lucky. I go, <laughs> okay, I, I had some good draws, you had some bad draws, and that's why I'm undefeated this tournament. Because I get, draw the right cards every game, like it, it, that just doesn't follow. It, don't use luck as your excuse. Um, maybe you had some bad luck that game. Um, maybe your opponent had a really had some really good luck. But if your takeaway from the game is I was unlucky, you just missed some opportunity to learn what you could have done better. Look right. look at why you lost, and the answer is not because I wasn't as lucky as my opponent. Um, you know, I when I lose games, I, it's not because I was unlucky. It's because I probably made a mistake somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's a very tactical game. And then I just wanted to jump on, um, we, we mentioned briefly the like puzzles, the chess puzzles. I've actually tried to do one for Star Wars before, it's really hard to do because of the amount of information that players have available for them in the game, especially at the end of the game when you could actually make a definitive puzzle. It, you know, I could set up a puzzle. What would you do in this first turn? But that's never going to be, you do this, you win the game. You don't do this, you lose the game. Mm-hmm. That, that's usually a very end of the game. And at that point, you know, exactly what cards are in your discard pile, what cards are in your opponent's discard pile, what cards have you seen. Right, right. That's just a really exhaustive list to make a puzzle that makes any sense whatsoever. And often the answer is it's irrelevant, but convincing the people doing the puzzle that it doesn't actually matter, you have enough information, um, is not always easy. Yeah, I thought But in a tournament, I would know this and this and this. I'm like... Yes, but that really doesn't change what the answer is.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, I thought about doing a big workbook as making a big PDF and it has all the objective sets and you take out all the, the, the associated cards and you leave those blank and you see if you can fill them in and then you do the reverse, you take out, you know, you take certain cards from objective sets, you put them in, and then you say, name all the objectives, and then you, you know, you do random sets where it's, this is the objective draw and this is what he plays first turn, how many cards can you figure out from this. And you do a massive workbook like that so you could get better at understanding each deck.
3: That would take a lot of time and effort, but would definitely help. Um, if someone could do that, they could be a much better player. Yeah.
1: That, that's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had that much time. Somebody should start a Kickstarter for me, and I'll do it. <laughs> you just have to pay me. Pay there me you, money. There you go.
0: Pay wow. me the monies. All righty. So, uh, well, let's move on uh, to our. Uh, let's see. Actually, um, let's move on to uh, deck talk, and then I have a couple questions for uh, Mr. Zach. Um, this week's deck talk is going. I hear someone in the background. I- I'm hearing myself. <laughs> Who is that? Okay, we're we're good now. Anyway, no, hearing it again. Matt, is that you?
3: Unlikely. I have my microphone muted.
0: Okay. Oh, like I can hear myself while I'm talking. It's weird. Okay. So, Zach, is that you? It might be Zach's mic. That's okay. I don't think so. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, um, all right. So, moving on to our next segment. Uh, let's uh, let's go into deck talk here. Uh, I know that um, we really don't have a lot of decks to actually physically talk about because there really hasn't been a lot of change in the meta. So, Zach, I- I'm going to kind of give you the floor. I know that you had a couple of decks that you wanted to kind of uh, discuss and talk about, so uh, fire away. All right, so my
2: Dark Side one's the one I've been playing the most. Uh, and I built it because I wanted to... You know I, I always watch like, what Team Covenant does when they post like, the finals, mm-hmm. and it seems like, oh man, if they could have just destroyed one more objective, they could have beaten that Sleuth Scout deck. So I was thinking, what's a, the most devastating <laughs> dark side deck, and it is our dark side pod, and it is the devastator as far as destroying objectives. So I wanted, and I noticed that he kind of fell out of favor after regionals, um, that no one really played devastator that much anymore. So the deck is uh, Death and Despair times two, um, Defense Protocol times two, Madi's pod times two, and then the Jawa pod times two, and then one of Reconnaissance Mission, and then one of Bosque's pod.
0: Interesting. And,
2: yeah, so I was thinking, you know, with the Jawa pod, I'd be able to... I've just First of all, I just love the Jawas, because you can do so much fun stuff with them. You can... Force them to win an edge battle that you actually want to lose to get the jaw back in your hand. Um, so I think that pod's a very fun pod, not just against Sleuth Scouts, but across the board. As I've mentioned before, I love Defense Protocol, and I think Reconnaissance Mission just goes hand-in-hand hand with that. Motti's always a great pod, not only for Sleuth Scouts, but also for resources. Um, the last pod, the uh, the um, I said Bosk. I meant Greedo. Okay. I, um, I like Greedo's pod. I, I use him quite frequently. I like the direct removal that some of those events have. I think Greedo himself is a good unit and the other Rodians are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I ha- I have him in that slot, but I think it could be anything. Um, and in the Devastator. And I've played it a good five or six times. I, I don't think I've lost with it, but I haven't played a Sleuth Scout deck yet. So uh, <laughs> it didn't really do what I was what I was hoping. My... Fear of as I was playing it, I was like, I remember a card that would shut this down, and it's that one card. I can't remember what, which one of those two it's in. It's the one that you can just stop a vehicle from attacking or defending.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I know it's in most of the Slu Scout decks, so I think like it could really shut down my deck from what I was, you know, oh, planning oh, on doing. That's
0: um uh, ion cannon.
2: Ion can. Who? What is that in? Is that, that in, in um
0: uh, prep free
2: yeah, that prepper evac's a great
0: pod. I do but, love that objective. It's just so wonderful. It's like, but, oh, you have a dark side hot deck. Oh, that's cute. But yeah, so with this
2: with this deck, I've had quite a lot of luck with it. My weak points are not resources. You can have resources for days with this deck. It's that um, at, in, except for the devastator and the and the attack squadron, I don't really have a whole lot of scary units mm-hmm. that that they really don't want to see. So. Um, I don't know. I'm used to having Palpatine, Vader, those types of units on the board scaring my opponent. So I feel a, a little bit naked uh, while not playing those cards. But I've had fun with it, and I, I think it performed pretty well for me. So I, I didn't know if you all had any thoughts about maybe that 10th slot where I have Greedo in or uh,
1: just about the deck in general.
0: Okay, uh, Nick, go ahead.
1: I just want to applaud you, sir, for not having Bosk in your set because we've debated the crap out of Bosk on this
3: show, <laughs> and it's so
1: good to see someone else from Scum and Villainy make an appearance in someone's deck. Um, so I just want to give you a big round of uh, golf. I, I, gave you a, I
2: gave you a heart attack when I mispronounced uh, Bosk or when I missaid said Bosk instead of Greedo, but yes, it is Greedo. So, I yeah. don't generally play Bosk, but go ahead, Nick. My,
0: my question, Nick, is why do you hate Bosk so much?
1: I just never have seen him be useful. I've never had a, a situation where I'm like, oh, Wookiees are out. Let me use that ability. Or here you go. Let me put Bosk on the field. I mean, I've played with him, you know, a little bit. I probably not as much as other people, but I just prefer other things. I think it's also just probably a personal bias. I don't think he's all that cool of a bounty hunter. Of course, this is where I get stabbed and murdered in my sleep, uh, Godfather style. But... Um, You know, I'm waiting for, and this is one of my predictions for 2014, they need uh, Bosch, which is the coolest bounty hunter played by Princess Leia. I know it's in the Rebel Challenge deck, but I want Bosch, and I want the Thermal Detonator, and I want an, an event card that's like, you know, scum thing throwing like uh fearless and inventive is the name of the card that i want and it's going to be use the thermal detonator and scare the crap out of opponent and you know make them run away or give them what you want and kill people that's what i'm predicting but uh you know as far as your deck goes i think it's a really strong deck i love defense protocol and Madi. i think those are really two of the strongest navy sets out there um of course jawas are the, some of the best cards, I think they're amazing, and I love how you run two of them. And Devastator is just ridiculous, so there okay, you
0: go. so um, the, the, kind of a sidetrack here. The reason that the Bosque objective is so good is not because of Bosk himself. Like, I, I, I agree, he's kind of a subpar card. He has great icons, though, and he, he, he's, he's a good defender. Um, the reason most people take that objective set is for the Heat of Battle, and the two uh, defenders that can uh, targeted strike Wookies, um, if they're not partic- even if they're not participating in engagement, Th- that's really the, the draw for that set. I don't think it's actually Bosk himself.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, I've just never had that situation. I've never been like, oh man, look at all the Wookiees on the field. I guess I just deal right. with them differently. And I've never had Bossk out at the right time to make use of that. I, I I like the two resources that his objective set comes with. I think the art on the cards is nice. They have a great ability. They're much better than Stormtroopers. It's just, I don't use them. I, I don't know why. It's just not my bread and butter.
0: That's fair. I mean... That's fair. It's, it's No, right.
1: we must all play the same deck. We
0: have to. Yeah. Matt, any thoughts on his deck? Um
3: just looking over it, I'm I'm actually not a huge fan of running the Jawas times two. Um I I they've never bothered me too much. I like, hey, you got three Jawas. Watch them all bounce back to your hand and now you can't draw anything. <laughs> um that said, Tactics is always useful if I was playing against this deck with light side um, i would I feel like I could out control it um, then again, I tend to play control. I still lean towards super friends style decks instead of um, ag- ag- aggressive decks like the Scouts or um, hot speeders. So I'm especially without having multiple big units. I'm worried about with a ton of hit points. I'm just I, I look at it and say, okay, I I could handle these. Mm-hmm. Um, ev- everything's fragile except for the devastator itself, um, and the devastator itself still goes down quickly to a couple of targeted strikes right. um, I, I actually took it down with Luke in um, a pair of turns once with the help of a lightsaber deflection the opponent thought he could attack into Luke safely with it and Luke's like he'll block, he'll do his two damage he'll lightsaber deflect one of the damages back and then my turn comes around and it's like oh look Devastator's dead it didn't get to do very much and but i mean it's still a great unit i'm not i'm not going to try to argue that it's not but with everything else so fragile i'm i'm not sure i but it has some synergy it's one of the decks that i'm sitting there i'm like it doesn't look great to me on paper but i can kind of see how once it hits the table it might work out right and And part of it is this game is so heavily tactical that really a wide variety of decks can do well because if you play the deck right and you play the situation right, you can win a game. Mm
0: -hmm. No, no, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. What the heck? Brain not working. I would definitely agree with that. Um, Zach, I know you had a couple things to add, so go ahead.
2: Yeah, just in response to Matt, uh, I agree with you 100%. I'm playing this deck, and I'm like, Stormtrooper, Stormtrooper, oh my god, another Stormtrooper, and he's putting in you know Luke and all these units, and I'm like, I don't have a, a big unit here, and yet somehow just with the way that it has resources and I can just throw out units when I need them, and also how it's able to win edge battles, which is one of the reasons why I do play the two Jawas. I like that extra twist. Um, it seems to find a way to win, but I agree. with. I don't think this deck is better than um, Sith Control, but I was a little bit tired of playing it, and it's it's worked out well for me. And and it's very fun to play because of the Jawas, because of the Attack Squadron, and it's always fun one-shotting uh, objectives with Devastator. Yeah. So I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's not going to win any tournaments or, or anything like that, but in this lull between the next uh, Force pack, I have been having some fun with it.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, cool.
3: uh, and you say it does win edge battles well? Because that was one thing I would have been worried about with it. Because, I, you know, it has the four twists, but it doesn't have a whole lot to back them up. And I always find, sweet, I have two twists to fade in hand and a bunch of one force pip cards. Yay. Yeah,
2: it has uh, It has five twists, right? Because it has defense
3: times two. Oh, that's two, right, five.
2: five two and so because of that, you can just really frustrate the opponent early on. And then I also like to do things with the Jawa where I go in with them with one of them. They have to defend or else he'll get tactics out. All of a sudden, I lose that edge battle, like I was saying, which I want to anyway, and I have two more cards in my hand that I can pitch to the edge battle that I actually want to win. So by using the twist with the Jawa's bounce abilities, I'm able to kind of bamboozle the opponent into... You know, playing cards they don't or misplaying their edge battles, so I can win the ones that are actually important to me. Um, that's how I've been playing it, and it has done pretty well winning edge battles. I haven't had a problem with that.
3: Interesting. Uh, I guess I'd watch out for tactics from your opponent, as that can really make the Jawas um, attack force you to block and just bounce them back to your hand a little weaker.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every play is dictated by the board, but um, I, that's just a situation I've run into a lot and have had success with.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay, so what about your light side deck? Uh, light side deck, I haven't had as
2: much time to play. You all will not like it because it is pretty um, <laughs> It's pretty standard. It's uh, raise the stakes times two, uh, know it times two, prepare for evac times two, uh, rebel... Uh, I'm sorry, Defensive Yavin 4 times 2. And then I wanted to just see how instead of... I think most people play Rebel Fleet in this last slot. Um, I was playing um, Millennium Falcon. Okay, um, interesting. So, you know, just because, like I said earlier, just a little change to a deck can make it run a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and this deck runs just like any other Sleuth deck. If I don't get raised the Stakes or a Know It Sector out, I, I pretty much lose. Um, and not once since I played it have I gotten the Falcon out. So I don't know how good it would be in that deck. But I wanted to play a little something a little bit different just to see what cards were good, or, or you know if I could find some different synergies. Um, in saying that, I have had success with it because I, I'm a big fan of twists. So I like having those in my deck. And the Cloud City Operative and Bamboozle gives me some extra options of um, punching through with my sluice and my units that I need. So that's why I was using uh, Millennium Falcon instead of the Home 1. And it, it worked pretty well. It didn't run that differently. It didn't run as differently as I was expecting it to.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, so with this being the pretty much end of our uh, topics, um, I'd like to talk about the kind of upcoming, up, upcoming tournaments, the regions, the the um, um, the regionals, the... Obviously, the the next Gen Con, um, North American Championship, which is going to then, of course, lead to the World Champions, and just kind of all the online things that are going to happen, which I'd like to start off by first talking about the Octagon Tournament. Um, It's really no secret that, uh, unfortunately, Tiny never really gave out any prizes or did did any interviews with anyone he was supposed to do. Um, Zach, uh, you are the winner of that tournament. And um, I felt that you needed some sort of form to say, hey, wh- wh- congratulations on winning. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, what, God, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Go ahead. Uh, what was your overall experience on the tournament and what can be done better uh, next year? Because I know that Table Flip is going to be uh, hosting a uh, tournament uh, this year sometime in probably June or July uh just to make sure, like, the halfway point uh, of the current four cycles. So what can be done to improve the current standings on an online tournament?
2: Well, the, <laughs> that's, it's hard to improve what, what's wrong with an online tournament because um, of how spread out it is. Um, I'm the type of player that when I go to a tournament, I like to know, like I said earlier, I, I memorize all of the cards. So I know what my opponent's playing. During that particular tournament, we had several force packs come out and Edge of Darkness, mm-hmm. and I just really didn't feel prepared with any time I played a match. I didn't know what my deck did, I didn't know what my opponent's deck did, and I didn't think in that aspect that it really simulated like like a real you know a real tournament where where you're going in with your set deck and you're trying to win the day. Mm-hmm. A way to fix that, and I don't think this is feasible, but um, mm-hmm. would be to have to say, hey, this is the day that we're doing it, we're starting it at whatever a.m., and then we're going to run our matches, you know, like that. And maybe, you know, maybe not just one day, but maybe just two or three days mm-hmm. instead of uh, two or three months would help with, with that. And I would say everyone should be locked into a deck when they would, start yes. to... I would agree with that. Um, and if you did it in a way where it's not as spread out, where people are getting matched up you know, maybe doing two to three matchups a day, you could really expediate the process and and kind of simulate the uh, real tournament feel. And I don't know about you guys, but I in that fi- you know not at the finals, but the top sixteen, I was a nervous wreck all every week. <laughs> you know, you would win, you'd be like, oh, I got all week to kind of think about my next match. I just mm-hmm. want to kind of get it over with.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I would definitely agree. The um... The, the nerves were were there. Mainly, honestly, I hate the the uh, playing on Octagon because I don't like the the R N G kind of style that uh, it, it, you know. Basically, you're playing an online card game. You really have no way to shuffle the deck like you normally do because I don't know about you guys, but I never get as crappy of a draws as I do on Octagon when I'm playing like actual playing with other people. It's just like I, I think the the program just hates me, so I just I always get like the weirdest objective set draws and the weirdest hands or the weirdest mulligans, and I'm just like, well, I I can win, but it's going to take a lot more effort, But which I guess is a good thing to kind of give me a little bit more flavor and saying, hey, you need to make sure the deck is actually good type of thing. But um, so, Zach, you're basically saying that um, what needs to happen is a little bit more organization, uh, a lot less uh, spread out time to give people a chance to just completely change whatever decks they're playing, and definitely lock in. I would definitely agree that the lock in is a very, very important part in a tournament because that's what any tournament does, even in the worlds. You are locked into those decks that you play the entire world championship tournament. Like that that was it. You couldn't change decks. You couldn't change objective sets. Um, you were locked into that those sets 100% of the time no matter what you were doing during that entire day or entire three days or two days. I don't remember how long it went. It was two days, right? Yeah, it was two days. So um, yeah. go ahead.
2: Yeah, and and something to add. The reason that it was set up, you know, where we could switch decks is because people would hate not being able to play those force packs in Edge of Darkness. So because of the way it was structured, it it kind of had to be like that. But in in what you were saying, my very first match of that tournament was against Tiny. Mm -hmm. And I beat him my first game with my light side. And then as we were, you know, resetting and talking about the game, I was like, uh, problem that I immediately see is I was going to play and I and I did play it, it's not like I switched it, but I told him this. I was like, I was going to play a very aggressive dark side. But it would uh, behoove me to play a control deck because I only had to hold on to whatever turn, you know? Right. So I don't know if any players did that, you know, switched their decks because well,
3: I, I, after
0: I'm sure there was. Yeah. But yeah. but
2: you but you know, if, if it was locked in and the TO had the decks that were supposed to be played, that would alleviate that. And if it was a quicker, expedited process, that would eliminate not being able to play with all these cool new cards or not wanting to be able to play with them.
0: Yeah, you know, the the issue with being able to switch decks is just that. I mean, you, you, you're like, okay, well, I I need to play a Sith Control deck or else I'm going to lose, lose the the match. It's like, well, you know, you're locked into these decks. Sorry, you have to play your Aggressive Dark Side deck. Um, right. That... What are your thoughts on on um, on this?
3: Well, I have a unique perspective because I actually ran an Octagon tournament, uh, had twenty some participants way back when the Core Set first came out, uh, mostly through Team Covenant's site. Okay, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to play in that, and then things came up.
3: Yeah, and so you know, I kind of by honor system because I couldn't control it. Said that you were locked into your deck. Right. Um, and you know, I had the same problem with time and with so few people, and the game so new. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was hesitant to stick people to hard time limits. I tried to do it a week and would often end up going an eighth day. Right. But um, by the time the tournament was over, you know, there had been a force pack out, and so that the problem you have with trying to lock into decks is people can't use the new cards and by the end of the tournament it doesn't reflect the same meta and again the way around that is of course trying to play it quicker um, getting a one day event mm-hmm. or two day or that, that would be awesome your problem then is you lose the advantage of online or one of the advantages at least of being online in that you have more flexibility of when you play. You right. know. I can play in an online tournament and work it around my schedule. I can usually find a time during the week, no matter how busy I am to play a match. If I'm finding an entire day off, you're you're just going to have much lower participation. You you won't have a sixty person tournament. And you might. We might be able to find a day that sixty people would show up online and play. But that's a lot harder you're most likely looking at a much smaller tournament there um it's a trade off it's always a trade off and i don't think there's a great answer you know playing online has the advantage of you don't have to drive across the country i could i could play in a tournament with tiny well i was sitting in my um den in indiana and he was in california and mm-hmm. you know Neither of us had to buy a plane ticket. That's right. awesome. Yep. But you, you, lose, you lose a lot of the immediacy that you can do when you get everyone together in one room and just play
0: cards. Yep. No, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, Nick, any thoughts on what we've been talking about?
1: No, I think a, a tournament would be great. Um, you know, it would be cool if we could do it in one day, but you're right, uh, Matt, it would be a much smaller tournament pool. You know, you can't do like a July 4th all day, you know, online tournament unless right. we're going to start it at July 4th, really July 3rd at midnight, and then play all the way until the fireworks because that's like <laughs> one of my favorite holidays. I also have my birthday like six days later, so it's like a nice. whole week-long celebration. Um but I definitely would love to see more tournament stuff. I'm really hoping that my local store does a tournament. Um, I saw the the new article on uh, FFG's website for the Mara Jade playmat, the Vader. The coolest things are the Vader and the uh, Luke deck boxes Mm -hmm. in addition to the other materials you get. I think it's Alternate Art C-3PO and then... um, something else that's cool, too, but um, I would love to get a box of that, and uh, if anyone knows how to obtain one, uh, let me know. There will always be eBay. Yeah.
0: There will. I'm actually looking to try and get a couple at my store, and then seeing if we can uh, give some of them out on the show, but uh, I can't promise anything, because my local store is kind of a boob. So, um, Alright, so... Anyone else have anything to add to tournament structure or just overall in general on uh, the way that things are shaping up this year? If not, we're going to end the show. All right.
3: I just, yes. just want to give a quick plug to FFG for coming up with the store championship idea. Um, I am really looking forward to those, and those prizes are awesome. The the full bleed. Um, Han Solo looks uh, amazing. It looks
0: amazing, yeah. And there's
3: what, like 32 of them in the kit.
0: Yeah, so I'm likely you're you're guaranteed to get everyone it. gets two. Yeah, like it's, it's wonderful. I mean,
3: the biggest regionals last year, most of them were in the 20s range, and in theory, these store championships are probably going to be a little smaller than that. There's going to be plenty of them that are 16 or fewer people. That's yeah. Two Hans for everyone, and that—that that for
0: me, one for eBay, or I'm two, gonna... so that
3: both of the ones in your deck are awesome, not well, just the
0: one. Yeah, but I—I um, I don't play Han right now, so. But yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Okay, uh, Zach does have some closing comments.
2: Uh, yeah, number one, about the prize support in the Octagon tournament, Jarrett from Team Covenant, or not Team Covenant, um, top tier, mm-hmm. he did send me the, uh, the regional trophy, and it's prominently displayed in my oh, house, cool. but Thank you, Jarrett. Much, uh, much to my girlfriend's chagrin. Uh, number two, I don't know if this has ever been brought up before, but how come the Protector pod isn't called C-3PO's pod?
0: I don't know. Why, why would it be?
2: Because he, because every other pod—Vader's pod, Palpatine's pod, Luke's pod—three PO is a main character in the Star Wars universe, and that's technically his pod. Yet none of us call it that because just, I, just it's a hypothet. It's just something to think about because
0: he's such a small, insignificant <laughs> droid that no one cares about. I, I, yeah, I because the main uh, reason
3: we played is for the guardians, not know, for three PO.
0: Like three PO
3: edge battle. Okay, whatever.
2: I I know. I'm just I just think that that's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Uh huh. Uh,
0: sure. And and
2: third of all, um. I have a post, or not? I don't have a post, but there's a post going over on the FFG forum about uh, D.C., Baltimore kind of meta, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like a lot of us are very close to Frederick, Maryland. So if anyone's listening to this podcast and wants to go over there and check that out, we're trying to uh, organize some game nights uh, at a store in Frederick, and I can't recall the name right now, but the post is over on the Organized Play uh, forum of Star Wars at the FFG forum. So hoping to get a, a group together. And I think... Someone from um, Card Game DB, I think it might be Master Jedi Adam, is is moving to the area, so that'll be good to get some games in with him.
0: Cool, very cool. Uh, Nick, do you have any shout outs or plugs?
1: I just want to shout out to everyone in the community. Thanks for listening. Uh, it was a great 2013, and uh, I think this was one of uh, our best shows. Uh, I really appreciate Zach for sharing his thoughts with us, and uh, Matt and Patrick, as always, it's a pleasure uh, hosting the show with you.
0: Oh, as always, always, Matt, shout outs or plugs.
3: I want to give a quick shout-out to my local game store down here in Tennessee, Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World.
0: Um, Dwayne's World.
3: It's, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. it's a great store, lots of games. Unfortunately, does not quite have the Star Wars LCG community to um, really c- talk the owner into doing the store championship for Star Wars, despite a couple of us who had been perfectly happy to just pay whatever the cost was so that he didn't have to worry about it. But um huge X Wing community. We just had a tournament X Wing tournament um yesterday. Oh yeah, how did that or, go? Did you win? Oh I didn't come close to winning. <laughs> I, I play I I play this game seriously. I play X Wing more casually and I I was like twelfth out of eighteen people. Ooh. But that was a lot of fun. Um but it it's a great store. You know, there's one thing, it's it's something I love about the gaming community. When I first moved here, I went there, I uh, asked, hey, do you guys do like Magic the Gathering drafts? And he's like, no, we don't really have a huge Magic crowd here. And he got out a post-it note and wrote the address and phone number of a store nearby that was like a com- a competitor that they do Magic and we don't. So here's another game store you can go and check out. Um I love that about the gaming community in general they're mm-hmm. They're not out to tear down all the other game stores and be the one game store everyone must go to um but you know great friendly guy, I definitely give him my business, even though I can't get many star wars games in there there's a There's a handful of people, just not quite enough. Uh, that we can get there, much almost. organized. Almost. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're kind of like you in Toledo up there right now. Just not quite there yet.
0: We, we just need you to come down here and we will be complete. That's it. So no pressure, okay? Just no pressure. Um, shout out to my wife uh, once again for allowing me to do this every uh, every few weeks. She's awesome, and she's also in the other room listening. I love you, dear. And she said she like no. me. No. <laughs> and um. Shout out to FFG for just making this game a lot of fun and uh, just kind of keeping my interest in a social kind of aspect. I am i don't have a lot of activities I can do socially because I, I live out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's nice to kind of actually talk to real people every once in a while. Um, also, shout out to um, Drew, who is uh, just really kind of working hard to keep Card Game DB up and running. There were some issues that he uh, worked very, very hard on and resolved those. Very, very uh, much thanks to him for just keeping this website just completely amazing. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Team Covenant once again. Um, They are just a wonderful crowd, and they do a lot of excellent tournament coverage for um, X-Wing and Star Wars LCG. A lot of good articles as well. I know we're going to have Zach on the show uh, uh, in a couple weeks. I just got to talk to him again, but – just shout-out to them once again, and shout-out to you guys for uh, taking time out of your day. Shout-out to the listeners for listening to this show, and uh, we will see you guys in two weeks with uh, not really sure who we're going to have on the show next, uh, the next episode. haven't planned that far ahead because you know what? It's the holidays, and we're not organized yet, but we will, we will get there. Um, so to everyone uh, listening and uh, driving and at work, thank you so much for your support. God bless. May the Force be with you. Take care.